Welcome to the Curator Salon podcast. I'm Gita Joshi and my guest today is all the way from LA, Alexandra Dillon. Welcome, Alexandra. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about your work. How would you describe your work? Well, I paint on found objects and I allow the found object to be the starting point for the work and and together with a portrait or a, a part of a portrait on tools such as axes, cleavers, shovels, and paintbrushes, the juxtaposition of the portrait with the tool creates a kind of visual metaphor. I, when I first started making these, I, I wasn't really sure what they were about, but as I made them, I started to look more closely at their meaning and realized that there was many implicit meanings and strange paradoxes in these works. So, for instance, I paint faces on axes, generally women's eyes. And I also noticed that that created a kind of linguistic pun. You know, we talk about how a woman has, a, or a person has a sharp intellect. We often use derogatory terms toward women like hatchet face. We also talk about women who, whose words cut like a knife, things like that. And I saw, I saw that there were these strange linguistic puns and then I started thinking about, well, what does this all mean? And, and as a society, often afraid to look at women's own personal power. And we are afraid of women's anger. We are afraid of women's intellect. And these pieces, I think, help us confront those ideas. Then I also started doing work on shovels. And the shovels had a, a kind of a strange meaning as I started to dissect it. They were about memory. They were about death and resurrection. And one of the things that was a happy accident was when I started doing the portraits on the shovels, I realized that because of the curve of the shovel head, if I looked at the shovel uh, at one angle or another, the expression on the face actually changed. It changed from happy to sad, from a smile to a frown. It was just a strange, a, a strange effect of the of the parallax of the curve of the shovel. So I employed that, and I built a rig for these shovels that you could actually move the shovel and it was attached by hooks onto a wall, and you could move them, and the face would change. And I called the pieces mood swings. And those are some of my favorite things that I've been working on. I'm, I'm trying to pull together an installation of about 20 of those for a show. Then I've also been working on saw blades, circular saw blades, and I painted uh, some Baroque-looking women onto these circular saw blades. And again, it... it challenged our ideas of what what does a pretty soft face mean juxtaposed with a hard and vicious tool i'm still not entirely sure <laughs> what it all means but again it, it it comes from my subconscious i i analyze it after the fact not before and uh 
I've gone on like that with many of those pieces. Then I've also been painting on dresses. And the dresses are some of my favorite pieces that I've made. I paint portraits of women. I just did a series that's also on view at the Oceanside Museum of women who are wearing very exotic costumes, crowns and, and jewels, and they represent extras from old Hollywood movies. And they represent the women that tried out for the parts, but only became extras and were queen for a day in these wonderful costumes, but then were forgotten by history. And there's a personal connection for me with those because my family uh, is like fourth generation Hollywood. And my great grandmothers were both in the silent movie Ben-Hur as extras. And even though these aren't portraits of them per se, they're very inspired by my grandmother's experiences. Such a great story. That's why you started wanting to go into film then. That was a natural... Yes, my father was a screenwriter. I know your work primarily as um, painting portraits usually on hardware. How did that all come about? Well, there actually is a story. Uh, The story is that a few years ago, I was invited to be in a show where all the work was to be made on objects that had gone through a fire. The fire was in another artist's studio. And I took the burned paintbrushes. And I had all these burned paintbrushes, and I was looking at them, and I thought, what am I going to do with these? I mean, at first I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, make some abstract pieces out of them. And, but portraiture has always been what I'm interested in and what I'd been painting on canvas. And so kind of casually, I painted a face on one of the paintbrushes. And the minute I did it, I knew. I knew that I'd done something really special. And I knew that I could really make something of these because of my love for old master portraiture and it just went from there. I did 14 for that show. People loved them. They all sold. And I just kept going. And after that, I started finding other wonderful old objects to paint on, uh, going through flea markets and thrift stores. And suddenly I was into a whole new avenue of my art. Amazing. But I hear now that you actually also donated um, items as well, aren't you? Don't people come around and give you stuff? Yes, lots of people donate items to me. Other artists have brought me wonderful old paintbrushes. One lady brought me a cache of gorgeous vintage paintbrushes that had belonged to her father and grandfather who were set painters in Hollywood. And these brushes were so beautiful and so incredibly well-loved and and taken care of. They were just wonderful. I made a whole lot of paintings on those. I just love them. You mentioned a love of old master paintings. Who else would you say were your main influences for your work? Well, I love ancient art. I've always been very inspired by Greek and Roman art. And when I found the Fayum mummy portraits a few years ago, I, I don't know if you are familiar with those. The Fayum mummy portraits were discovered in, I believe, the 19th century, and they were a cache of portraits on mummies, but they were done in the Greco-Roman style. And they are some of the most exciting portraits of all history. 
They have amazingly lifelike faces. They are about 2,000 years old. There are many of them on display at the British Museum. And they give us a window into what people really looked like in the ancient world. And I, I just loved these paintings so much, and they became very influential in the faces that I paint onto the paintbrushes. I think a lot of Velasquez and Manet when I see your work, because you use a lot of the dark colors as well. I think you've mentioned that in your, um, when we were talking before. I love Manet and Velasquez. Uh, I was classically trained. I went to a school in Florence, Italy many, many years ago, and they taught in the tradition of Velasquez, Manet, Goya, Sargent, all of these painters follow a, a similar stylistic tradition that really originated with Velazquez. One of, the, one of the things that makes those paintings so exciting to me is the use of very dark blacks and a lot of contrast. Also, all of those painters were very interested in the human psyche and that is reflected in the portraits that they paint. You can really see that these people that they paint have an inner life. They are not just representations of a face. They, it, those painters capture the real character of the, of the sitters. Uh, Goya is one of my favorite painters of all time. Um, one of the things that I think I have in common with Goya, if I, if, if I dare even ever put myself in the same sentence as Goya, is that Goya also will just invent characters. So he's very good at, at painting, you know, wonderful, wonderful portraits of real people. But if you look at much of his work, it's all just invented characters. And that's what I like to do. So I really relate to him very much. So let's talk about that, your inventing of characters for your figures. Yes, well, my original love was filmmaking. I studied film at UCLA. I thought that I was going to be in the film industry, and I found pretty quickly that I wasn't going to get to be as creative in the film industry as I wanted to be. I, I wanted to be a director, and a, you know that was probably a long shot for me as a young woman. And my love of, of surreal films such as Fellini and Cocteau and other, maybe the films of Kurosawa. These were all things that later would come into my painting. And I just enjoy the drama, the theatricality of film. And that's something that I try to incorporate into my current work. Uh, my work is about psychology our own personal psychologies. It's about selfhood, people becoming in touch with their own truest selves. It's about how the female persona has been depicted, uh, both currently and historically. Uh, it's about how humans are having a very shared experience of life but we all are very individual and we're very much in charge of our own destinies. And I think that when I paint faces that are individual, that is one of the messages in my work. Because you don't actually work from images and you don't have a sitter normally when you're painting your pieces. 
is that part of your process actually it's almost like a like a divine download that you're getting you know and you know when it's done <laughs> well i i I like it that you say divine download because I have always felt as an artist that art comes from a very subconscious place. It's very much like dreaming. And it's when you're open to what might be a higher super consciousness and, and which filters through your own subconscious that's when the work really comes through. That's when, that's when authentic work is created. I remember once at a dinner party, I said something similar to what you just said. I, I said something like, I feel that I'm channeling things from, you know, another place. And everybody at the dinner party was, was shocked that I dared say anything like that you know, as though I had some sort of connection to a higher consciousness as an artist. But I still believe that's true. And I think if you speak to other artists, you will find that very many of them, most of them, when they really do have them, find themselves in the flow, that that experience is very similar to a spiritual experience. And it's, a, it's one of the real satisfying parts of being an artist so interesting though this you know the idea of art and spirituality obviously it's been around for millennia but a lot of the, that time it was used when you know artists were actually depicting you know spiritual stories right from the bible or whatever but actually you know like you get it more with uh, the 20th century painters particularly sort of use art and spirituality in a, that that um meeting is in a very different way as you very much as you describe about being in a state of flow and you know connecting to some sort of higher uh, higher connections yes i agree with that i think that you know if you look at especially with maybe the mid-century 20th century action painters there certainly must be some sort of flow happening in so many of those paintings and i agree with you that even though you know, a de Kooning or a Jackson Pollock may not outwardly have the content of a spiritual painting. I believe it's implicit in those works because of the action and the process that you see in so much of that work. Yeah, and what the artist was experiencing in the time of production. Yes. I have to say, though, that to get to that point as an artist is often hard won. I don't think it comes instantly for every artist. Uh, I know that for many years, I struggled to find my true voice, my true channel to my own work. It's very common and very um, you know, frustrating for most artists to be grappling with the idea of their careers, their place in the art world, the content of their work. And I, for many years, I was starting from the wrong place in my work. I had a hard time connecting to that open channel. And when I finally did, everything suddenly felt so right. It was, it, it was like you just knew 
that you are now on the road that you had been looking for. And I know many artists have that experience. So on the subject of being distracted by things like art careers, let's look at some of your recent exhibitions. I know you were showing at the other art fair at Los Angeles in 2018. How was that for you? I really enjoyed doing the other art fair. It was a wonderful experience. They, they were really great to work with and it, many good things came of it for, from, from it to me. Uh, I, you know, I, w I would definitely recommend it for independent artists. The art world has changed quite a bit. Uh, many artists like myself are in business for themselves, working less with galleries and more with independent art fairs. Uh, I think it's very good for artists to have a business sense and to have control of their own promotional materials, their own uh, marketing strategies, and to find a way to have a, a foot in both the entrepreneurial and the artistic. And it's not easy to do. And it's, it's, it's very difficult for a lot of artists who just don't want to mess with that. They just want to do their own work and, and have somebody else take care of sales. But I think if having a career as an artist is important to you, that it's really good to get some business sense and do things like the other art fair and other opportunities. No, I agree massively. I think there's more artists and there are galleries able to manage them anyway, right? So I think sure. know, it has really opened that up for so many people to be able to sell directly. And I think when they often talk about, to me about being overwhelmed with quite how much there is to do on the business side, I always remind them that, you know, you can get help in your business. You know, you can hire somebody to manage your social media or do your admin, just like you would probably hire an accountant to manage that side of the business. Yeah, absolutely. So the other art fair led to a great opportunity for you. Do you want to tell me about the uh, museum show that you've got? Yes, uh, a curator named Kate Stern, who's a wonderful curator here in Los Angeles, came through the other art fair and liked my work. And currently, uh, my painted dresses are on display in a show called Dress Rehearsal at the Oceanside Museum of Art in Oceanside, California. And that show runs through January 2020. Oh, fantastic. Have you got any other shows coming up? One show where I'm showing a one piece in a group show at BG Gallery in Bergamot Station in Santa Monica. That show is called The Living Room, and it's all art on furniture by local Los Angeles artists. I, I'm working on a chair. And so that's what furniture of a whole living room with different artists on different pieces of furniture? Yes. That's going to be so much fun. Alexandra, it's been amazing talking to you. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Gita. I've really enjoyed being here with you. And um, where can people find you online? My website is alexandradillon.com and I'm on Instagram at, at alexandradillonartist. Fabulous. I will add all of that into the show notes and I can't wait to see you soon. Thank you so much. Have a great day. The Curator's Salon hopes you enjoyed this production.